With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. No! Oh, my God! How could he do that? Are you on Charles Darwin. The nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we were joined there by Jamal Williams of the Detroit Lions at the end of our intro. New edition, but you know what? When a guy shows love to the nerds and the nerd brand, we got to show love right back to him. So that's part of our theme music now. We know that you all love the classics. We actually hadn't touched it for the two plus years we've been doing this show, but change is healthy and good. So we have that, and Logan, we also had an interesting Thursday night football game last night. Not exactly a remarkable matchup. Why are you looking at me all confused? I haven't even said anything controversial. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want you unnecessarily, you know, taking a dump on this. It was a good game. It was a fun Thursday night football game. It was. I wasn't planning on being overly critical, but I don't know how many people are getting juiced for Bengals-Jags. I'm pretty juiced from Bengals-Jags. It was an exciting game. Okay, after the fact, sure. But when you looked at that on the schedule, did you think, oh boy, I'm circling my calendar for this one? No, in no way whatsoever. Okay, there you go, wise guy. Let's talk about this game, though. Because now we have the Cincinnati Bengals sitting at 3-1. and I don't think we expected them to be there. But here they are. How have they gotten here, and what stands out to you about this team right now? Well, I mean, honestly, Carson, one of the notes I wrote down about this team is I think they could be a sneaky playoff contender. And while that may sound crazy, I I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are kind of out of that conversation at this point. You know, I don't really see that offense turning around drastically enough to, to be competitive in games the rest of this season. And I think the Bengals have slid right into this spot. And if there's one thing that... I'm fairly certain of about this team. It's they're going to put up 21 plus points a night, and that's going to be enough to win you some games. Uh, this offense is really dynamic, and when Joe Burrow has time in the pocket, he's he's dangerous. Like he is a dissecting quarterback with mm-hmm. all the weapons that he has around him: Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, uh, Uzama, uh, Joe Mixon. I mean, I just thought you know it was a slow start for the Bengals early on in this game, but. They really came around. They established a run really well. And this is just, this is a dominant, like, this is a really good offense. And I think it's going to keep them competitive in games the rest of the season. I wouldn't bet on this team to make the playoffs, but they've had three really good, excuse me, four real pretty good performances, um, you know, just offensively. Outside of that game against Chicago where that pass rush kind of got home and they had four turnovers, I mean, if if they just protect the football in this game, this team could be 4-0, and which is a really weird thing to say, but... The Bengals have really surprised me, but uh, I'm really confident in this offense moving forward. Yeah, and it has been a pretty favorable slate thus far for them because you look at the competition that they have faced and a Vikings offense that can put up points, sure, but not the strongest all-around team, and they barely got out of a win in that one. Then you lose to a Bears team that has looked quite troubled since that game, had obviously a very ugly showing this past week. And then you beat the Steelers and you beat the Jags who uh, have a combined record of 1-6, and and let's face it, the one win was quite ugly between those two teams. So, again, they haven't maybe proven it against that super high-level competition, but I think you're right that 
the offensive foundation here is strong. And no longer is it like last year when you feel just terrible for Joe Burrow because it's clear that he's going to probably have his life threatened and did actually have his season ended. It just doesn't feel that way anymore. They are competent up front. They can run the ball, as you mentioned, and we know that Joe Mixon can produce there, but the efficiency has been a question for him sometimes. He's been solid in that respect this year, and that's important to their identity. And then you put it well. Burrow is just a guy who I don't think is some supernova talent, although he had maybe the greatest college football season ever. He's not this ridiculous outside-the-pocket playmaker with this unbelievable arm, but you give him a solid run game, you give him excellent receiving weapons, and that is what they have in Cincinnati, and he is a guy who is composed, who has good touch, who is accurate, who can throw the long ball, and I think that we have seen him and Jamar Chase connect on that a considerable amount, mostly because he's accurate. I just think he's a good all-around quarterback, and that's all this team needs to be competent. I don't know that they're going to really legitimately enter that playoff conversation whatsoever, because I just think schedule's going to get a whole lot tougher, and you have to play the Ravens twice, you have to play the Browns twice, you have to play the Packers, you have to go to Vegas, you have to play the Chargers, the Niners, the Chiefs. There's just a lot of games there that I don't feel as good about them winning. I want you to pump the brakes on this, Carson, because I think like I, don't, I feel like we can get. Don't get me wrong. I agree with you on the schedule point. It's definitely going to be tough for a team that was that has been you know this bad since you know the departure of their core mm-hmm. to come back and make the playoffs this season, but. You know, I think a lot of people are looking at this high-octane air attack, and they're kind of just overlooking how dominant this defense has been. Granted, again, they have not maybe played the yeah. best of offenses, and maybe that's where you're going to be critical. And we will really see if this team is a contender or is going to be in playoff contention next week when they take on the Packers. But there's a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball here, man. Trey mm-hmm. Hendrickson currently leads the NFL in pressures. He has been the biggest offseason addition. Carson, you noted in... Uh, uh, before the season started, that you thought that would be the biggest addition to this defense. He has been just as dominant as he was last year. Logan Wilson, who was my breakout performer for the Bengals this year, has been balling out. He's, I believe, had 10-plus tackles in every game so far. He's got 40 on the year. He's got three uh, He's got three picks. He's got three pass deflections. He's got a sack, and he's all over in the backfield. Like uh, Sam Hubbard is great, and I really like their secondary, too. Like Right mm-hmm. now, they're sixth in points against, uh, you know, six in points allowed. I don't think that continues throughout the season. Again, they have not faced top-notch offensive competition yet. But that being said, dude, like, I I think this is a really solid team. And, like, while, while, while maybe, you know, both of us wouldn't put our money down for this team to make the playoffs, I think eight and nine, nine and eight in that range, I think it's fairly feasible for this team. And I think, I just think the Bengals are a lot better than a lot of people are giving them credit for. Sure, when you start 3-1, and one, that becomes feasible, no question. I would probably put them more in the 7-8 to eight range than the 8-9 to nine range, and I think that this is a solid overall team. That's a word you used. I think that that is an apt word to use because, yes, this is an improved defense. It's certainly an improved defensive front with not just Hendrickson, but also Larry Ogunjobi, who has been pretty productive. But overall, there's still, I think, 20... Sixth or something in pressure rate haven't been a crazy productive pass rush outside of Hendrickson for the most part And I don't know that it's an overly imposing game-changing defense like I agree with you There are talented individual players But as a whole, I don't think it's approaching a top-tier defense and It's not like they've completely stopped teams from moving the ball on them and that's against some bad offenses By the way the Bears sure they shut down everybody's gonna shut down the Bears. It looks like at this point The Steelers, it was not a pretty showing, but they were able to throw the ball, although, again, they were behind in that game. But still, the Jags were definitely able to move the ball in this one, both on the ground and through the air, and the Vikings had over 400 yards of total offense against them. So I just think part of this is, again, circumstantial, favorable schedule, and I just don't think this team is elite at anything. And if you're not elite at anything, I don't know that you're making a playoff push. Yeah, I guess I would agree that they're not a lead in anything. But one thing I will say that I, I really love about this team is, and I know we've touched on this, I think they maybe have a, a top three, a top five receiving core in mm-hmm. football. Like, I don't know if there are any groups that you should be more terrified of. And that's the beauty of having a guy like Joe Burrow back there. 
I think you're right in saying that Burrow is not a top-notch talent and he needs a lot around him to go right. I think he needs a little bit of a running game. I think he needs an O-line in front of him to protect him. I think he needs talented, smart receivers who he is in sync with to succeed. But he has all of that here, and that's why this offense is so dominant. But, I mean, just the the pure talent, dude. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and even down to, like, Auden Tate. Uh, Tate's a guy who I like on deep balls in the the slot, in the Mm -hmm. slant. Like, he's dynamic. He's good at breaking tackles. And I just think it's – they're just a tough team to to cover, bro. Like, when you – there's so much attention commanded over the middle, and something that I loved watching them against the Jags. How Burrow throws to the sidelines, dude, like that is always going to be open because there's so much attention towards the middle of the field and down there. It's just, I don't know, man. I trust the Bengals' offense to consistently move down the field and consistently move the chains because of all the weapons you have here. I just don't think that they're guardable. I I agree. They're not elite at anything, but they have one damn good receiving group, and I think this yeah. receiving group could carry them to, again, like I said, eight or nine wins this season. It's ridiculous. And versatile receivers, too. Guys you can utilize in the screen game. Guys who can get open downfield. And I know you're huge on Jamar Chase. Dude, the chemistry between him and Burrow is absolutely unreal. Mm -hmm. Like, it is so... It's so unspoken. Like, and you can just tell. Like, guys... Even, you know, and I like what I... um, Him and Jamar's connection is special, too. But it's like, it's not just Jamar, man. It's like all of these receivers have some innate chemistry with him. I don't know. You saw that highlight uh, from yesterday's uh, game. Um, Uzama is in the middle of the field and completely redirects as Burrow rolls out of the pocket uh, with him. It's just like, guys, I don't know, man. The chemistry is not just the talent, but the chemistry they have with Burrow is extremely special as well, dude. Well, maybe when a pair of guys connect for 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns, you should bet on that working going forward because that's what they did at LSU. But absolutely, I think Jamar Chase is at this point clearly the most impressive receiver out of this class. He's just more dynamic. He just gets behind the defense so often. He's averaging 17.5 yards per carry, but he's elusive in space too. He's just an all-around great receiver. And good pull there mentioning Uzama because... He is a guy who we just saw have a massive game and is somebody who can do some of that intermediate yardage stuff over the field. So there's a lot of very legitimate receiving targets here. I agree with you on that front. Let me ask you this about the Bengals, though. Specifically looking at Joe Burrow, how many NFL quarterbacks right now are you taking over him? Because we have seen basically a season's worth of football from him now because he missed a handful of plus of games last year he's been very productive thus far completing 73 percent of his passes again the accuracy is there nine touchdowns to four picks got definitely a little bit sloppy in that bears game but has been pretty solid overall so what tier is he falling into right now that's a tough question let me ask you this am i starting my team from scratch in this or no this is right now i know but like uh, are we saying that like for the 2021 nfl season I know, but like, are, <laughs> would they also get plugged into this situation? I'm asking as well, like on the Bengals or just. Oh. Well, theoretically, your quarterback ranking should be that guy could adjust anywhere, and it's tough to separate and that situation that, from talent. But that's what I think makes it so hard about Joe is because, again, with a good O line, he's with a good O line, he can be really successful. And when he gets has time to throw, I think Burrow's a special guy. I'd probably say. I think Joe's league average. I'd yep. probably say I'd probably take somewhere between 12 to, to 14 guys above him, but okay. it's 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 definitely close. And if Bro continues this, I might like, dude, the way he dissects defenses is really impressive, and he's shown a little bit. He saw in this Jags game a little propensity to roll out of the pocket to extend plays and yeah. to sense pressure. So it's tough, man. I I'm definitely taking, you know, the top guys, the Cars, the Staffords, the, the Tom Carr, Brady. The first guy to come out of your mouth. Oh, yeah, sure. definitely. The Kyler Murrays. I would put him in, like, the Baker Mayfield, um, like like the Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. tier right now. And if he continues this, I'd probably put him over a guy like Baker because... Uh, why? What does he do better than Baker? Baker needs a lot more, in my opinion, like, than Joe. How? Baker's a more dynamic playmaker. He's yeah, got a better arm. I disagree. He's more athletic. Really? I like, you think I like Joe's arm more than Baker. Definitely. Not accuracy, arm talent. I like Joe. I definitely disagree with you I, there. Dude, I mean, I watch Baker underthrow guys all day on Sundays. Dude, I just think that guy has when he needs to unleash it, like not a crazy arm, but Burrow to me looks like he has 
Tom Brady's arm yes. right now. Like he doesn't oh, you unleash mean, on the ball. That's, you mean forty-four-year-old Tom Brady? Kind of. Like maybe not that bad, but like I just don't think he makes that many throws where I'm like, wow, look at that velocity, look at that insane placement into that tight window. It's more guys get open and he doesn't miss throws, and that's important. Yes. Why does why does all that matter then? Like I yeah, Joe Burrow's a guy in my opinion that just doesn't miss. Yeah, for the most part, I agree with you. I just think Baker gives you a little more, man. Like, they weaponize that dude, moving outside of the pocket, rollouts and whatnot. He's a great play-action quarterback, and he's pretty accurate, too. Yeah, I'm looking here. I mean, I think other guys that I would have in this tier, a Ryan Tannehill, a... um... Wow. Even that, I don't know if Burrow is there yet. I mean, he's not far off. I think you're right. I think he's around league average. But Ryan Tannehill did just have 36 touchdowns to four picks last year. Again, though, I mean, you got to consider situation. Of course, but still, not that many guys can do that, Logan. Like, that's insane ability to limit your mistakes. Yeah, and I- also produce big impact plays. And he can move. So who is like the, who do you think is like the first guy? Would you take, would you take Matt Ryan at this point over Burrow? <sighs> not, probably not, based on what we've seen out of Matt Ryan, but... I could definitely be driven to change that because we know how much that guy can produce through the air. I think that it's a fair tier that you've put him in. I don't think he's far off from a guy like Baker. I just don't think he's quite as gifted as Baker. And I think that really they're similar in that you talk about needing to put stuff around Baker, but we said the exact same things about Burrow. So let's talk about the other team in this game here because although it was a loss for the Jags and they're now 0-4, things are looking up, man. They had a chance to go up 21-0 in this game, where you've got first and goal from the one, I believe, and they just didn't get it, went for it on fourth, couldn't convert, and then it ends up being that the Bengals have a little bit of a roaring comeback, but what were some of your takeaways for the Jags from this one? Uh, I do want to touch on that that uh, point that you just made about the not taking the points at the end of the first half. Uh, I get it. Like, I get it. You want to put up points when you're that close. Urban, you don't do that in the NFL. You take mm-hmm. you take free points when you've got them, and that was just a dumb decision. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that I learned, dude, is that we shouldn't count out Urban Meyer. We should not count out the Jags. The Jags are going to continually get better, and damn, do they have some weapons here for, uh, for Joe Burrow, for Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Dude, Trevor impressed the hell out of me in this game in how dynamic they made the offense, the read and speed option stuff. Uh, you know, Trevor was fearless, you know, taking a— if D linemen or linebackers were plugging up holes, he was meeting them head on and trying to break tackles. He was getting out of the pocket. Like he really impressed me. And dude, some of these deep balls, that uh yeah. that deep ball to uh Agnew. I mean, dude, great catch by him to tap that on the sideline for like Trevor had to put that in a perfect spot for him to catch. Mm-hmm. Um he had a couple other balls uh to LaVisca Chenault to uh, uh just like dude, his his accuracy. He's Pinpoint, dude. Yeah. Trevor just astounded me. And I just want to shout out Chenault, dude. I, I was not too high on him uh, when he came out of the draft. That dude is a special playmaker. When he gets the ball in his hands, it seems like every time he touches the rock, he is spinning off and he is breaking yeah. a tackle. And he is waiting for that defender to put his hand on him so he can break away. So, like, no, they don't get their first win, which I know is what all of these what everyone is looking for, mm-hmm. whatever. The Jaguars are consistently getting better. They are gaining more confidence. And I just, I have faith, man. Like, the Jags are not that bad off. I I feel like people look at this 0-4 record, and they look, oh, Urban Meyer in his first year, and they we've tended to overreact. That is not the reaction you should have through four games. They've improved every single week. Trevor Lawrence has improved every single week. And you know what, Carson? I think Urban has made this offense a little easier on him. First week, Trevor is coming out here throwing the ball 55 times. Last um, Against the Bengals last night, a lot of stuff where he is rolling out and him hitting a six or seven yard gain mm-hmm. on the sideline that is shortening up the sticks for him to make it a third and two, to make it a second and three. And that's stuff you have to do for a rookie quarterback. It's stuff that you have to do for an offense to make it easier on them. Basically, my big takeaway is the Jags are getting a lot better, and I am a lot more confident in Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence now than I was after week one. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence is phenomenal. And I think that obviously the Jags got off to a very rocky start to this year. And before this week, Trevor Lawrence had nine turnovers. Nobody else in football had more than seven. And that was our guy, Zach Wilson, who you don't exactly want to be in the same sentence as right now. But I think clearly 
He is one of the most talented quarterbacks that we've seen enter the league in recent years, and I think he's every bit the prospect he was hyped up to be. And I've said this before, but I just don't know what his weakness is out there. Like, sure, there have been spots in which he hasn't been overly efficient on the year, and again, he has turned the ball over, and he's maybe forced a couple things. Not really in this game. I thought he played a very good game overall. But athletically, everything is there. Cerebrally, I think his processing is impressive given how early in his career he is. And his poise is impressive too, given that this is a pretty rough situation overall. And I really wish that DJ Chark were healthy because it seems like he might miss the season. That's a bummer because if he were healthy, him, Marvin Jones, Chenault, who again, you're right, is the kind of guy who you just let him work in space and he can make stuff happen. That wouldn't be the worst setup weapons-wise, especially when you have a safety valve in James Robinson and a guy who they finally really entrusted to run the ball in this one and ran the ball very well. Like, believe it or not, when you put the ball in the hands of your best offensive player, he can make stuff happen. Yeah, and finally, like it it just looked like it smoothed over. It, it kept the Bengals' defense on their feet. Like, again, that's a part of the reason why the read option stuff uh, works so much. And, dude, I want to touch on what you said. I, I think Trevor, again, you can look at the turnover totals and be disappointed. Trevor is one of the most impressive quarterbacks I have ever seen mm-hmm. in making their progressions, in making their reads. It is, I don't know, man, like I've said this before, it is a patent level of cerebralness that I see from Trevor Lawrence, and I don't think I, I, I want you to tell me if, if you think I'm, I'm getting off the rails here, if I need to pump my brakes on that. I just think he is, Trevor's brilliant. Like, yeah. it's, you can see it plain as day here, man. Like, guys don't do this when they enter the league. And while it may just be flashes now, I have, again, I said this after the week one and what a disaster that was. I have no doubt that Trevor Lawrence will be the best quarterback in the NFL one day. Wow. No doubt. So how many guys right now then, this is a career question, not a this year question, are you taking over Trevor Lawrence? For their career? Yeah. Probably two. That's Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Wow. I think that he's very impressive. I don't know that I could have him over a Justin Herbert, maybe over a Kyler Murray mm-hmm. yet, because those guys are nuts. But look, I absolutely believe in the talent as well. Actually, we really saw him make some plays with his feet in this game, too. I, I, want, I want to change it to three. Herbert and Murray are close. I'd go Lamar, Josh, and Pat. Interesting. And okay. I just, until Lamar takes that lick, Carson, which I am still convinced that is probably going to happen. That seems that pessimistic. It is pessimistic, and I don't want to see it because Lamar is a transcendent talent. This is what you say to me every time we watch a Bills game is you just tell me how Josh is going to die, and then I say he's indestructible. <laughs> okay, Josh actually is indestructible. Yeah. That dude takes mad hits. I'm, I'm afraid for guys that play like Lamar, but mm-hmm. he is still, when healthy, those are probably the only three guys for a career. Herbert and Murray are close. I just, Herbert's probably the toughest one. Herbert's They're very a- similar to me. Like, rare oh, in, in. physical stature, arm talent, mobility, that sort of combination. The ability to throw the ball with velocity. Like, in that way, they can kind of mirror each other to me. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, I'd probably... I just... I like I like the way Trevor reads. It just seems to me like he just reads defenses better. Maybe mm-hmm. that's kind of, an, kind of a blanket statement. I also think Herbert's in a little better situation right now. Their offensive line has performed way better in Jacksonville, but it's definitely close. Let me ask you then. Well, but also it's not like they're exactly neck and neck as far as production. Uh, Where is, what is your hierarchy there for, for guys over Lawrence for the career? Well, I think that there's a handful of guys, the four who I mentioned, your top two, I would go Kyler and Herbert and Lamar is close I don't want to downplay what he does. He's a generational, transcendent talent. But I do think there's maybe more upside for Trevor to be just a phenomenal quarterback who, again, is without a weakness. Would you take Dak over Lawrence? No, I would not. Is it close for you? It is pretty close because mm-hmm. I think, dude, I'm super high on Dak after oh, yeah. these past two He's seasons. He's one of your 12 top five quarterbacks. <laughs> Shut up. One of your 15 top five quarterbacks along with Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, Tom oh, Brady. That's it. That's five. Well, I guess you're leaving out some honorable. <laughs> you're leaving out some pretty Ooh. good guys then. Oh, Patrick Mahomes. I, dude, I don't think we'll, – we'll get into this in a minute, but. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do now, Logan. That was enough talk about Thursday Night Football. 
let's briefly reflect on what we've seen out of a number of teams up to this point on the year. It's a game called Contender or Pretender. It's a nerd sesh favorite. Going to throw out nine teams here, and we will classify them according to where we think they're, they fall. Let's start with the Seattle Seahawks, Logan. Are they a contender or a pretender? Frauds. Complete Love frauds. Yeah, just... No, the, the Seahawks, in my eyes, are a uh, complete pretender. And, I mean, I think you can look at these last two weeks, and it's plain as day. I mean, you lose to a Tennessee Titans team that his, uh, can't guard a, a wet paper bag, bro. The Titans suck. The Vikings. Like, dude, like when you have a defense this bad, you're never going mm-hmm. to be competitive. And, like, again, this has been the, the horse that we have beat on the Seahawks for the past three seasons. Carson, Russell Wilson has played damn near perfect football yeah. through three weeks. Again, Seven touchdowns to no picks, 895 yards. Uh, like, this is what Russell Wilson does. He plays perfect football. And I guess if there's one complaint that you're going to make, maybe they need to be better on third downs. They're 20th in that regard, but they're also six in red zone percentage. When they get those opportunities, Russell Wilson does not waste them. This offense is super dynamic. They are always going to put up points. But this is literally, again, as we addressed on our last NFL show, statistically, this is like the worst defense ever. Yeah. You can't win games with the worst defense ever. And so no matter what happens, if no matter if they get to the playoffs, I mean, I expect them to get to the playoffs, but I don't know what the defense is bad. Maybe they, this is the, finally the first time we see Russell Wilson miss out. I don't know, man. I see a team putting up buckets of points on them, not being able to be competitive, or them just simply missing the playoffs this year. Either way, uh, the Seahawks just have too many holes defensively to address midseason with a free agent or trade acquisition. I don't see it getting any better. Uh, are, are you in the same boat with me? Yeah, I think that they fall on the pretender side, and I still think that they're probably a 10-win team, honestly. But things are about to get intense very fast because they go to San Francisco this week, and then they host the Rams, and they could easily drop both those games. They might not be favored in either one of those games. They're not favored against the Niners. I don't know if they're favored at home against a Rams team that has looked as good as anybody in football. And then you're 1-4, and four. You really got to dig yourself out of a hole there. I still think, though, give the team with Russell Wilson the benefit of the doubt. Bet on his talent. Bet on him being nearly perfect and winning you those close games. But I like you said, they have allowed the most yards per game, and it's only been three games. But what would be the most in NFL history? They're 26th against the pass, 30th against the run. They're not generating a whole ton of pressure. I just don't think they're scaring anybody defensively. So they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. And... Uh, I think that they'll win enough of them, but they're not going to get to that elite tier. Yeah, where do you are they like the are they the worst team uh, in the NFC West for you thus far? Right now, yes, they were clearly the worst roster coming in, and I think we have seen that realized thus far. Yeah, I mean they've been horrendous against the rush, horrendous against the pass too. And I want to contextualize: the Seahawks have dealt with a myriad of injuries thus far. Like, there's a lot of guys on their defensive front who have been hurt. Uh, mm-hmm. My guy Puna Ford has been out. Kerry Hyder has been out. Benson Myoa has been out. Like, there's a lot of injuries that this team is dealing with. That being said, though, these guys coming back still it doesn't change. They're still probably a bottom a bottom five defense in football when fully healthy. Let's stay in the NFC West now and talk about the team that the Seahawks are actually playing this week. San Francisco 49ers, Logan, which side of the debate are they on here? Contenders or pretenders? And the 49ers are the toughest team to... Mm-hmm. They're so tough, dude. Because there's a lot of things that I like about them. Again, I still like this pass rush, even though they've struggled. I still like the receiving weapons that they have here, dude. Like Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Mohamed Sanu are a top-notch receiving group. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go pretender, though. I... Again, this has been this has been what we've said. I still just don't think this team is elite at anything, and I think you have to be elite at something to be dominant. The rushing attack is not dominant when you have a quarterback that is this limited as Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he just limits you too much to be a full-on contender. The defense is league average thus far through the season. Yeah, they're just not elite. If there's they're good at when they get their red zone opportunities, they convert them, and they're good at staying on the field and converting third downs. That's going to make them a tough out. It's why they were a tough out against the Green Bay Packers. And maybe if they win that game, maybe I'm on the other side of the fence. I don't want to be, you know, that you know, black and white. I don't want to be that binary. But I'm going to go pretender. I have been skeptical of them this entire season, and I'm going to stay skeptical until they prove to me that they are elite at something. I am right up on the fence with the Niners here. And part of what's driving me 
to the contender side, not that I'll end up there, but just as I'm exploring my options, is that they have these flaws, right? Like they haven't been efficient on the ground. They're averaging 3.6 yards per attempt. What we expected to be probably not as ferocious as it was a couple years ago when they were second in the league in pressure rate and just absolutely monstrous, but a pretty good pass rush has been 31st in pressure rate. Like they are just not making their presence felt there. So those are a couple things that two years ago were fundamental to their identity as a team, right? They ran the ball with that zone scheme and they just had dudes who were quick and could make plays. And that was the foundation of their offense. And then that led to the play action and everything. And they just got after quarterbacks like crazy. That's what took them to the Super Bowl. They haven't done those things thus far at all. They've been borderline bad at both of them. I mean, they've run the ball a lot, so the yardage is there. But again, the efficiency is not, and they're down their top three running backs now. And yet here they are. They're still 2-1, and one, and they still... The first two weeks, the competition just was not there because they let the Lions get way too close, and then they did not really outplay the Eagles, but still came out with a win there. But that Packers game, I thought they were impressive moving the ball through the air. We know the weapons they have. Jimmy G is an above-average quarterback. So to me, I look at this team and I think, maybe we just haven't seen even close to the best version of them. And that's kind of what I'm holding out hope for because I feel like this past week was a reminder of what Jimmy G does when he's healthy. Not that he's exceptional, but just he's a guy who can drive you down the field and is more than capable and, again, is an above-average starting quarterback. And when you have that in the roster that the Niners do have and the coaching, I could see this team still getting up around 12 wins, definitely 11. So I really don't want to pick a side here. I'm trying to buy myself time. I, I think you're a little off base with the, with the 12 wins. I'd probably mock well, them. Well, it's going to be really tough because they have to play their own division. But 11, I think, is reasonable. They're good. Or they could be much better mm -hmm. than they are, I guess, is more what I'm relying on here. So maybe I'll call them contenders. That's the I actually had written down pretenders, but I'm changing my mind. <laughs> um, I want to touch on the rushing attack that you brought up. They have been completely inefficient, 3.6 yards per carry, as you mentioned, 25th in the league. Do you think there's a guy here that establishes himself as, as the premier back in San Francisco? Well, doesn't look like Trey Sermon right now. I thought Elijah Mitchell looked pretty good, and he should be back sooner rather than later. He's questionable for this week. I think that they lean on him, and my theory has been, and it seemed to have been proven right many times over, you can run the ball with anybody in this system with Kyle Shanahan. And that wasn't necessarily the case this past week, but I still think going forward, the run game is going to be fine. I think it's going to get a lot better. And I don't know how defensively they get worse. Like, I just feel like this has to be at the very least a borderline top 10 unit there, or else that would just be such dramatic underachievement. Yeah. And then they, uh, and their offense can be top 10 to me, no doubt. Wow. Okay, you're a lot higher on the Niners Dude. than I am. Okay, they have one of the best sets of weapons in football, especially if we see IU get going more. I believe they can run the ball. And then defensively, I think, again, that it's only up from here. And they have an above-average quarterback. Yeah, and I, I do think there's a there's a propensity for this rushing attack to get better, and I think that's where the, the swing trade lies with this team. Um, I don't know if you heard, uh, on Johnson uh, has been activated yeah. for this team because I was a big Jamichael Hasty guy. I was hoping he would become the mm -hmm. feature back. He's on IR now. on Johnson comes in. I'm hoping that they can just find a consistent guy who, who they can depend on. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, if you believe in Elijah Mitchell, maybe we'll see, but I'm— I don't know. I'm man. not. I'm not a big believer in this rushing attack coming around, and that's, I guess, where my biggest skepticism lies with this team. I'm not touching any running back who's ever played for the Lions. So <laughs> consider me out on Carry On Johnson. All right, one more team in the NFC West here because it is just a loaded division, and the team at the top, I don't think, falls nearly on the border. The Arizona Cardinals, Logan, contenders or pretenders? I think they're complete contenders. Uh, Easily. I, they're one of the teams that I've been most surprised with uh, thus far through the season. My one concern, and the thing that I think could sink the Cardinals' boat, because there's a lot of things going for this team right now. You've got Kyler Murray playing at a you know damn near MVP level, definitely up there in the conversation once more this year. You have got 
one of the best receiving cores in football. You've got an O-line that is buying him time. You've got a weapon in the uh, in the backfield in Chase Edmonds, who is so consistent. You've got one of the best secondaries in the NFL. You've got rovers in the middle of the field, and you have got a top-notch pass rush. The one thing that I think can sink their boat, though, Carson, is the erratic play of Kyler Murray. And what I mean by that is maybe not... Boo. Maybe not erratic, but... You what, can't sink the boat if you're pushing it up from underwater, if you're the propeller. That's what I mean. Is like great analogy. I guess what I'm saying is the propeller could stop at some point. Um, he's just Kyler's kind of reckless, man. Oh you yeah, know I mean? Kyler oh, is just, definitely. Kyler just plays the game with this reckless abandonment. Where I could see him throwing them out of a game. What I mean by this is, I still think the Cardinals are a 12-11 win team. I think they are going to be there at the end of this year. I think they are going to notch themselves a playoff berth. But in a one-game scenario. I'm worried that Kyler could kind of go alpha mode and just say, all right, bro, I'm just going to sling this ball up. And the Jags, as I touched on in this last game, this was a lot closer um, than the game looked. If the Jags Mm -hmm. don't have all the turnovers on their side, they could have won that game. And I don't know, dude, Kyler threw a lot of balls downfield that the Jags played really well, had a couple drop picks. Like, Kyler's recklessness could hurt this team at the end of the day, although I don't think it really matters during the regular season. I trust this team week in, week out to be competitive, to win games. But I just think when it comes down to a one-game scenario in the playoffs, Kyler could could kill this team. Sure, but he's also the reason they are what they are as a team and is one of probably the three or four most talented quarterbacks in football. So I think they're a contender. I think that they have not been as impressive since that week one just demolition of Tennessee, and we've seen some more flaws pop up with this team. They have not been able to stop the run thus far. They're averaging 5.4 yards per attempt there. Kyler has turned the ball over probably a couple too many times, but I still trust the weapons. I think defensively, they can have that ferocious pass rush. It's a hungry three-level defense, athletic defense, and I think they're a really good all-around team. So... I am excited to see them play some more high-level competition, like going to the Rams, playing the Niners, going to the Browns. That's their next three weeks. I think we know a lot more about this team after that. But given the talent, given my faith in what they have at the quarterback position, I'm going to bet on them being a very, very good team this year. And I do think Kyler gives them the upside to have a miracle run because when you have a quarterback like that who, sure, can be reckless but also is going to do things that only Patrick Mahomes can do elsewhere... You're giving yourself a chance at all times. Let's stick with another bird team here, Logan. The Baltimore Ravens. Contender or pretender? I think they're a contender. Um, It's been a weird three weeks for this team. Um, This last week in Detroit, I thought a lot of people got the wrong impression with the final score and obviously them relying on uh, the longest field goal ever to win the game uh, should not be a boat of confidence. But, dude, they outgained the Lions 387 yards to 285, like... The Ravens just weren't finishing drives, man, and and that was that was the issue. Like they moved the ball with authority as they always do. They just you know they had a fumble loss too. Like they just they just didn't finish drives, and they didn't they didn't convert on third down. And I guess if if you were looking at a pitfall of this team and a reason that that they could struggle, it's that passing attack. It's what we've always harped on. It is them converting third downs this season, Carson. They were thirty first in third down conversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in third down conversion percentage, that's hard. That is what is going to boot you out of the playoffs on site. When you run into the buzzsaw that's the Buffalo Bills, or you run into the buzzsaw that's the Kansas City Chiefs, which again, I know they beat the Chiefs, but that can't continue. If you have a bad game from third down, we've seen that. We have seen that story happen in the playoffs. We've seen it happen against the Titans. Like the Ravens can't do that in the playoffs, but I still believe in this team, man. This is a dog. This is a hard, you know, just. Hard of defense, full of dogs. I know that we've not seen this necessarily through three weeks. I trust them to get that pass rush home. I trust them on the back end, and I trust Lamar Jackson to be a complete offensive engine for this team. But they do have their flaws, and that flaw is still in the passing game. That flaw is still converting third downs when you are so dependent on the running game. So I have a reason to be skeptical, but I still believe in this team because of their identity, because of what they have done in the past, and I still think they are a contender and a dangerous team in the playoffs. I agree, basically, with everything that you said. If I'm going to call the Niners or the Cardinals a contender, I think I have to have the Ravens there as well. And uh, 
they are just doing what they do. They're averaging 5.7 yards per attempt on the ground, have 556 yards there. There's only so many teams who can stop that. And that's the thing is we can look at their flaws and nitpick that. And sure, it will matter in the biggest games against the best defensive fronts in football or against an offense that's dynamic enough to compensate for the Ravens putting up points. But for the most part, dude, they're just going to do their thing. And I think that they're going to mow down a lot of teams. And I think that they're going to go on the road and have a little bit of a statement win at Denver. I think that they're the Mm -hmm. much better all-around team, although Denver has been impressive. The one thing that has been maybe a bit of an issue for the Ravens is that they have had a lot of yards thrown on them, but at the same time, weeks one and two, they're going up against the Raiders and the Chiefs. So it's a little bit excusable. Those teams have obviously been moving the ball through the air against everybody, but they didn't make it look all that hard. And uh, for a secondary that last year when fully healthy was up there for the best in football, that definitely marks a bit of a step back. But still, I think absolutely they're a no-brainer 10-plus win team, probably a 12-win team or an 11-win team, and uh, definitely capable of winning a playoff game. All right, let's stick in the AFC North here. The Cleveland Browns, Logan, what are they? Contender or pretender? You know... This is weird to say, dude. I think the Browns are a contender. Like, and it's it, it's on the back of this offense, obviously, as it always has been. If they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt going, they can put up points. But it's not just that. It's, it's defense, dude. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is I've been – I'm still critical of them, and I still have my questions about them on the back end. When you can get pressure home like this, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you have on that back end. When Miles Garrett, you know, Jadavian Clowney, uh, JOK, when they can – when they can, you know, force their will on a quarterback on a offense like this, yeah, they're completely contenders. Like I trust this team to put up 24 points a night. Kevin Stefanski is an offensive genius. Always comes up with a with a great scheme for whoever they're playing. Mm-hmm. They always establish the run. They're tough in the trenches. I have my questions about Baker in the big moments. I have my questions about this receiving core, and you know, about them getting back to full health with OBJ and Jarvis Landry. I have my questions about this team on the outside, but this team is strong in the trenches, and that is where games are won and lost. I trust this team to run the ball. I trust Baker to run an offense and not mess it up. And I think the Browns could win one or... I still think the Browns can win a playoff game. I still think the Browns can get to the AFC Championship game with their flaws. This is a team that is top 10 in offense and defense right now. I think they have their holes. But I think the Browns can win some playoff games, and that, it's weird to say. It has been a drastic turnaround. It has been really fast. I believe in the Cleveland Browns. And you touched on the defensive improvement. To me, that's what I was anticipating when I picked the Browns to win 11 games because I think that clearly they were not as good as their record last year when you have a negative point differential against one of the easiest schedules in football and you go 11-5. and five, Something is not adding up there, but... It's a legitimately improved team. I think offensively, we know how dynamic they can be. And as long as they are running the ball like we expect them to, I think that Baker is just going to do his thing feeding off of that. So I think that they're a little bit on the border here because I still don't think it's a great defense. I think the pass rush can certainly be imposing, really predicated on Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. But overall... I don't know that it's a remarkable unit, and offensively, I still think Baker is a guy who you can win a Super Bowl with, but he's also not going to be the guy who puts you over the top, and I don't know that they need that because they are going to run the ball so ridiculously well. Like Them and the Ravens are just in a different tier, obviously, in that respect. So I think they're really good all around, and I think that they're on the fence, but I'll give them the benefit of saying that they're a contender as well. Okay. Let's move down to the AFC South, Logan. Tennessee Titans. I know what my answer is for this one. Are they a contender or a pretender? Uh, I don't even know, man. Like, No, you do. They're a pretender. How yeah. are the Seahawks a pretender and the Titans Yeah, aren't? they're a pretender, man. I just yeah. I just didn't want to say it. Like, uh, Any elaboration? They're going to be without Julio Jones this week, maybe without A.J. Brown. That'll be fun. If Julio and AJ are healthy, 
Like, I still believe in this team to maybe pull off a shock upset against a good team in the playoffs, but they have no chance at, at doing any damage whatsoever. This defense sucks, dude. That's what I said. We, we chopped up the video. You can check it out on Twitter and Instagram preseason. We were talking about the Titans. The Titans defense is going to suck. Like, this pass rush has been relatively good. We've seen uh, we've seen Landry, we've seen Simmons, we've seen Autry, and we've seen Bud Dupree get decent pressure home, but it's not even like the Cleveland Browns. Like, I think if they had a pass rush comparable to, to Cleveland's, mm-hmm. I think maybe you could justify saying that they're a contender. That's the big separator um, between these two teams. But they don't have that good of a pass rush. They have a league average pass rush with the additions they've made. And they have an ugly back end on this yeah. defense. So... No, they're they're complete pretenders. They're complete frauds. Everybody in the AFC South completely blows. And they've been with their injuries. Like There are a lot of guys on this defense that are struggling uh, to stay healthy, and I think that's a big part of why this defense is so bad. But even when fully healthy, they're not even league average. So, yeah, I mean, this offense can reach whatever peak they want. It's not going to matter when you have a defense this bad. Hurts to say it. Hurts to say that all of my predictions, Carson, good on you. Just dab my boy up here in the studio. Good on you, bro. Y'all, my takes sucked. Yeah. Tennessee sucks. Well, here's the thing. They are coming off back-to-back big wins. You go to Seattle, win that game in overtime, and then beat the Colts at home. <laughs> That's meaningful. And by the way, they're going to be 4-1. How? and one. How? Like They're playing the Jets and the Jags. How is it meaningful? Well, because you're two games up in the division on the only team that's going to possibly push you. Yeah, and then they're going to get housed in the playoffs. Okay. Getting to the playoffs is meaningful in the NFL. Logan. But... Yeah, they're going to be 4-1, and one, and then they're going to lose the Bills, they're going to lose the Chiefs, they might lose at the Colts, they might lose at the Rams. Next thing you know, they could be 4-5, and 5-4, five, five and four. and I think that, you touched on it, man, the secondary is just unbelievably bad, and it's too much for this defense to overcome, even with the improvements that they have made as far as the pass rush. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I mean, again, when you look at them against real competition, real contenders, we saw what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, Carson, against a good pass rush, like... I don't know, man. Buffalo's pass rush looked really good. Um, I, just against the Cardinals, they got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think against I think against better than league average pass rushes, I think this team gets killed. Yeah. One thing that I wish that we had mentioned with the Browns, not all that relevant, but I do have to say they weren't exactly overwhelmingly dominant against two of the absolute worst teams in football. Like sure. That Bears score ended up being dominant, and yes, I have the Bears in that tier now, although I did not before the season. I just was alarmed by how bad they looked this week, but that was a competitive game way too long, and the Texans, that was a competitive game for the majority too. They were up early, but they didn't really pull away. So one last AFC team here, and then we'll do a rapid fire couple NFC ones, and then briefly talk about what we have coming up this week. The Denver Broncos, contenders or pretenders? I really want to say contender. I really do, because I think we they've shown that they're going to have one of the best secondaries in football. It's just tough because they're competition. I mean, everybody knows that their opposing competition is 0-9. They have played Daniel Jones. You've played two rookie quarterbacks who are really turnover-prone. They've got the number one defense in football right now. They've been consistently able to get their pressure home, and they've been consistently able to shut down the opposing uh, the opponent's air attack completely. It's what's it just does this continue against top-notch competition. We're going to see it. Like they, they play the Ravens, they play the Raiders, they play the Browns. We're going to know in we're going to know in four weeks if this team's legit or not. I'm really on the fence with Denver, and I mean there's there's one big reason, a really simple argument why you could say that they aren't, and it's because they've got Teddy Bridgewater at the helm. Mm-hmm. But look, dude, in good situations, Teddy Bridgewater is that guy. He is that guy that is not going to sink your boat. He is going to make you competitive. And right now, nearly 77% completion percentage, four touchdowns and no picks. There's a lot of weapons around him here. And again, they haven't played tough competition. But this defense is exceptional. Teddy went 5-0 and with the Saints when he was uh, their starting quarterback. In really good situations, Teddy can win football games, and this is one of the best situations in football. So I'm hesitant to say that they are a complete pretender. Do I trust this team to win a playoff game? Probably not. But I'm going to stick with contender right now, bro. I believe in what the Broncos are doing. They've got a solid enough run game. They've got weapons on the offensive side of the ball, and it's a really simple formula for Teddy. He just doesn't have to mess it up. I believe in this defense. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I don't think they're on the contender level of a Cleveland Browns, 
I think they're probably at the lowest level of contender, probably in there with like the Las Vegas Raiders and such. Yuck. The Raiders are in the contender level? Maybe. No. <laughs> no, not they're not. For me. I don't know, dude. The Broncos are really close, and I just I like what they're doing here. At the end of the day, they're probably not a real contender, but they're good enough and they're a tough out any given Sunday. I just don't I just like the Broncos a lot. I don't wanna I don't wanna say that they're not, but they, they aren't. Who doesn't like the Broncos? I think they're probably a ten win team, but I just think Sure, they have massacred these three offenses up to this point, but they've played the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. And that's not that I question the secondary. I think it's outstanding. I think it's probably the best in football. I think it's a top 10 defense overall. But it's not going to be the best defense in football, in my opinion. And then offensively, they're just very average. They're average running the ball. I think that Teddy is a below-average quarterback talent as far as starters go, but he's in a favorable situation, and he has some nice weapons and whatnot. So I think that they're good. I do not have them in the contender tier, though. I just would need a little bit more punch, a little more dynamism somewhere offensively, and I don't think they have it. All right. New Orleans Saints, Logan. Contenders or pretenders? Pretenders. I don't care how good this defense gets. Yeah. When Jameis Winston is playing like this, you're not a contender, bro. You've got to let the... you got to you got to take the cuffs off, bro. Yeah. 6.1 yards per attempt. Like... Look, bro, you should just stuck with you should just stuck with Teddy Bridgewater if this was going to be the case. We touched on this last show. I just at the end of games, if you're going to handcuff him to this rigid system and not let him, I don't know, dude. Again, you want to let Jameis Jameis? No, oh, no, let Jameis Jameis. Why I do, not? I do want to let Jameis Jameis. Terrible man. take. I want to let Jameis Jameis. I want to let. I just want you to unleash him, and if he. <laughs> I, know, I know what we're going to see if you let Jameis Jameis. He's going to throw you four picks and cost you a game. Well. Look, I think that as we touched on last show, there's a balance to be struck here, and they do need to let him do more than he has up to this point. Yes, you just need to open the playbook up a little more and explore and test stuff out mm-hmm. because against we saw it, dude. Against a good defense, you're gonna get you're gonna lose. Yeah. That pass rush is gonna get home. Those little intermediate and short stuff that you're throwing, those drags, those short in and out routes, they're not going to work. The Panthers crushed this team. That was not a close game. Yeah. I just think if you don't unleash Jameis, this offense is not dynamic enough to beat any top-notch defenses, no matter how good this defense plays. And I think I'm confident because there's a lot of football left to be played this year. There are 14 weeks left to experiment with Jameis and let him get comfortable with this offense, but you've got to do it. And until that happens, I am not a believer in the New Orleans Saints. Well, and by the way, they don't beat the Pats without three takeaways and no turnovers of their own. And they have 380 total yards of offense over the last two weeks, and that includes a convincing win in which they got a little too close to comfort because they just couldn't put that game away. They haven't been efficient running the ball. Again, they have limited Jameis passing the ball and haven't been efficient there either since that really nice week one showing. So I think that they're good. I think that they're probably a nine, maybe 10 win team. I think it's a great roster. I think it's great defense, but I just don't think offensively that they have enough. And the weapons are just very underwhelming. So all around, not a contender in my opinion. Last team here, the group who they trounced in week one, the Green Bay Packers, Logan. Contenders or pretenders? Honestly, the Packers are kind of in a similar boat to the Seahawks, I think. Like in just Mm. that I don't really believe in this secondary at all. I don't really believe in, I don't believe in this defense in general. But they've got Aaron Rodgers, and that counts for something. I still believe in him. I'll call him a contender for that simple reason. When you've got Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and a really good offensive line, no matter how many injuries you had, again, dude, they had three brand-new offensive linemen, and uh, that San Francisco pass rush didn't matter. So I believe in Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams, and I don't believe in anything else about the Packers. That being said, you can win. you can win some playoff games with those three guys. Yeah, I think they're a contender. I don't think they're in the top tier of teams. I don't think they're as good as last year, but you put it well. They have one of the craziest offenses, offensive three-headed monsters that there is. They have one of the three best quarterbacks in football, and that's what's going to drive them to a 10-plus win season, in my opinion. Okay, Logan, very quick. 30 seconds or less for each of these. Let's run down some over-unders. Another nerd sesh favorite here. Over-under, Derek Carr and Justin Herbert Combined for 600 passing yards this week. I'm banging the over on this. Bang that over. These guys have been, they've been dominant. Like, Mm -hmm. I I expect these guys to air it out. Like, honestly, I think they've both been top 10 quarterbacks through football through these early weeks. 
Nothing has been able to stop them. I have questions about the Raiders' secondary. I have questions about the Chargers' defense in general. I think both these guys eat. Yeah, well, they're both averaging comfortably more than that up to this point, and I think this is, for the most part, a shootout, and I agree with you. Give me that over. Steelers, over under 14 points. I'm going over probably... um, not the right decision. Uh, again, I've, I've told this to anybody who will uh, listen. Matt Canada has come out and said the offense is not changing anything. Ben Roethlisberger is not, we're not doing anything with him. So, probably foolish. Uh, we, we have sucked. We've been the worst offensive football, in my opinion, next to the New York Jets. Um, this is kind of just blind faith. We've got a lot of weapons. I expect us to feed. Uh, Deontay Johnson comes back. T.J. Watt comes back. Uh, not that this affects the offensive points, but I think we make life a little harder on the Packers. I think we have a few more offensive possessions. I think we feed D.J., and I think we manage getting two touchdowns, but it is going to be tough. I'll go barely over. I think you guys get two touchdowns and a field goal, but I think it's still a pretty convincing loss at Green Bay, and I took the Packers to cover in that one. Logan, Falcons over under 400 yards of total offense against the football team this week. This has been tough because, I mean, the Falcons have been just borderline two, just the worst, two of the worst offense, or just units in football on the mm-hmm. offensive and defensive side of the ball. They have only eclipsed 300 yards once this season, and that was at Tampa Bay. Oh, I'm going to go over. Wow. Just, just because the Washington football team's defense has been so bad. What a revelation but, for a guy who picked the football team to win 11 games. I'm just going to walk off set, dude. I'm just going to leave the studio. I'm going to take the under here, Logan. I think that the Falcons are going to put up a lot of points, and I think that they actually very well could win this game because I think that that Washington secondary is just bad and the pass rush is not great enough to compensate for it, but I don't think they get to 400 yards. I think this is still an ugly game, and they probably win it 24-21 or something and have like 350 yards of offense. All right, Justin Fields, over under three and a half times sacked against the Lions this week. Easy over, dude. Easy over. If there's, I don't know what the actual line is for Justin Fields' sacks. If you're a gambling man, which I am not, Dude, take the over on Justin Fields' sacks week to week. That seems cruel. It probably is. The only thing that could hold this back, literally every single one of the Lions' defensive linemen have been struggling with injuries. That is Trey Flowers, that is Michael Brockers, and that is Romeo Aquara. I don't care, though. I don't care if these guys are healthy or not. I am banging that over. I think Justin Fields gets sacked a lot. Yeah. Three and a half. It's a little high, but I'm going to go over, too. I mean, it was nine last week, and... That Browns pass rush hadn't exactly looked like a total world beater through two weeks. Like, mm-hmm. sure, there's talent there, but that was next level. So I think that's reasonable. Finally, Logan, we haven't talked about this game yet, but I think it is the storyline of the weekend, unquestionably. We have the Brady versus New England matchup. Over under, 20 points scored for the Pats. I'm taking the under, and uh, the Pats could have put up more points against the Saints had you know Mac not had all those turnovers, but one thing doesn't change. They have really, you know, they have really forced Mac into a rigid system. Six point one yards per attempt uh, on the year, like three point three last week against New Orleans. I don't think the nickel and diming is going to be, you know, good enough to put up points. So I am banging the under. I, I think the, uh, I think the Pats struggle against this Bucks defense, especially with the uh, introduction of Richard Sherman. If we see him in this game, yeah, I've gone back and forth a little bit on how I think this game is going to go. My ultimate conclusion, though, is that it's a convincing Tampa Bay victory, and I think that this Pats offense has just not been very good up to this point. I think it could be a two-touchdown victory for the Bucs. So there you have it, everybody. That is Nerd Sesh. Been a whole lot of fun speaking to you all. If you want to continue to consume our content, go ahead and follow us on social media. Twitter is at nerd underscore sesh. Instagram is at nerd sesh. You can also find our content on YouTube where we do a couple of live shows a week, podcasts just like this one, and also do some video essay, video breakdown content where I just posted a video today on uh, Michael Porter Jr. And effectively, if he was worthy of the massive contract that he got. So you can go ahead and check out that. Check out all the content that we have. And with that, as always, I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash. Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate Rust Resistant Griddle with a carbon steel cooktop 
that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees. The Weber Works Prep cook and store system keeps cooking supplies handy, and you can carry all the food, condiments, and utensils you need. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate Rust I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.